Hello and welcome to episode six of the Talent Intelligence Podcast, where we'll be talking today about the change in work, workplace and workforce post-pandemic. Today we have uh, Brian Almas, um, he's Head of People at Rightway. Welcome, Brian. Thank you, Claire. Good to meet you and see you today. Good. How are you today? I'm wonderful. Excellent. It's quite early with you. I'm in the UK, but you are over in the States. Um, what time is it with you just now? Uh, it's a little bit after eight in the morning. I'm in California. Great. So you'll have had your coffee and you'll be ready to go then. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, Brian, you obviously have um, quite a, a, a varied background working in business, working in, in people. Um, tell me a bit about yourself, um, your professional background um, and your work experience. Yeah, I'd be glad to. So I, I've really been in technology uh, my whole career. It's been high tech. It's also been life sciences. And I've worked at some fabulous companies with some fabulous people. And I'm you know, really blessed with that. Um, you know, companies like Sun Microsystems, VMware, um, AOL, America Online, um, Fortinet, a cybersecurity company, and uh, most recently with, uh, with Rightway Healthcare. So, yeah, so you just started working with uh, Rightway um, in, the, in, in the last few months. Can you tell me um, a bit about the company and how you came to work with them? Yeah, Rightway is a it's a technology company that's really trying to differentiate and disrupt the healthcare industry. It's um, technology. It's also very um, customer centric. So what they do is they work with companies and with their employees specifically to help them guide through health needs, through pharmaceutical needs, and to actually lower costs and find the most efficient and um, effective way to solve their you know, medical uh, issues. And um, it's done through healthcare guides and through pharmaceutical um, guides. We also have clinical um, clinicians on, on staff that can really take more, much more significant and um, uh, demanding uh, healthcare needs uh, into effect as well. Great. Yeah. And, I, and I, you know, I've been working with them for a little over six months. Um, and, and really the, the um, organization itself is a, is a fantastic organization. They've got great leadership in um, you know, two co-founders that are a father and son team. Jordan Feldman is the CEO and Dr. Um, Theodore Feldman is uh, a cardiologist. And so they teamed up together to build this company. And it's really a mission-driven organization. And we really focus on improving the health of our members. An area that is uh, very much in, in demand at the moment as well. It, it definitely is. And, you know, we're finding that more and more, um, it's, it's more than just the, the physical aspects of it, but there's the mental needs. We don't, we don't necessarily, you know, do a lot of guidance in there, but we direct individuals to get the right types of services to meet their needs. That makes sense. Um, and, and, and as head of people at Rightway, what does, what does your role involve? Yeah, my role is because it's an early stage company, it's really establishing the human resources organization. So, you know, going in there really had a couple of people within human resources. It's a smaller company. We're about 200 employees. We're a domestic organization. We're not a global uh, organization at all. We focus, you know, in the U.S. only. And uh, it was, you know, really to assess the organization, what our needs are, and to put programs and systems and processes in place. So it's early stage foundational human resources. So things like having a human resources information system, a single source of data, 
where we can go. So identifying the right type of company that we can partner with to be able to support that. Putting in a, pay, a payroll system that is not necessarily run by us. So using a third party for that. Performance management, leadership development, um, and, and managerial training. You know, also looking at um, diversity and inclusion as other areas. So it's a potpourri. It's a lot of, you know, a lot on my plate. And we're starting to build out the organization as well. We've added uh, multiple people into the human resources organization, primarily in, in talent acquisition, because that becomes, it continues to be a huge focus for us as we yeah. want to grow the business. I guess at the moment, this is quite an exciting time to have joined the company then. It's at an early stage and, and, and you get to have a big part in, in molding um, the, the people department. It, it definitely is. And uh, the, the partnerships that I'm building with the leadership team is, is super important. And it's transcending that culture, that, that really mission-driven reasons why the company was created to help people has a real intrinsic value to it. So that's part of you know, what we use to attract individuals to our business. And we continue to extend that. On a weekly basis, we have all hands meetings at the end of the week. And we have, they're, they're quick, they're run by the CEO. And we start them out with what we call a mission moment, where we have somebody that's a health guide or in the pharmaceutical guide area, share with us an experience that they had with a member of how they helped them or a family member. So we continue to do that every week um, and it started prior to me coming on board with the company. And it's been, you know, something that carried through, you know, through, you know, through the early stages of, of COVID and, you know, and, and being, you know, outside of an office and people working from home. So it was a way to connect and continue that, you know, that strong culture and that strong focus of being customer centric, taking care of our members and really sharing those situations and reinforcing that. Yeah, that's been a very important thing. Um, over the course of working from home is being able to, to come together in some format. Um, we have a, a weekly catch-up every week, and I think more and more as we're going into the office, it's even more important because we have people now working across, you know, across various countries, and I think just once a week, spending half an hour just chatting about what's going on in work has been, been really important for people. Mm -hmm. it, it really is. It's that connection. I think I think that's probably one of the biggest challenges that, you know, the companies have today is, you know, how do they stay connected in a, whether they're going to be <clears throat> a hybrid organization or a fully remote or some kind of, you know, other combination or all in the office. It's how, you know, people, humans need to interact with one another and Zoom screens and telephone calls and emails it's old. People are stale. They're burned out by those things. So how do you, you know, how do you maintain that connection um, in, a, in a very positive way? That's, you know, that's what we look for. And, you know, we actually are going back in the office. You know, we, 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 we believe that for the way we collaborate, we align um, our work, that it's important that we go back into the office. And we've been spending quite a bit of time over the last couple of months. And we've, and we can go through that journey of, of what we've what we've done and how we've altered and, and tweaked that to fit our needs, uh, we're not back in the office just yet. Um, we will be. Um, we're, we're targeting the beginning of November. That was actually my next question: was you know how how are your plans for going back into the office going? What you know what has been your journey um, to that so far? Yeah, it's it's really ebbed and flowed. So. 
Um, originally, we planned on being back in the office around September. One of the things that Rightway did was when the pandemic hit, we were in two locations. We were in Miami, Florida, and in New York City, where we're headquartered. And we'd, we eliminated our leases in the buildings at that point in time. We were working from home. We didn't know what was you know, going to happen. So we, we just dissolved those. And so then it was, okay, we need to identify new space, get that in, get that up and running. We're expanding also into Denver, Colorado. So we'll have three locations so we can really you know, cover the U.S. more effectively in, in, in time zones that make more sense for folks. And um, so we originally planned on going back in September because of lease situations and other things, we weren't able to do that. But our plans were that we would encourage vaccinations. We said, look, we're not going to you know, require them or mandate them, but we're strongly going to encourage that. We will provide you know, personal protection if people want that uh, in the office or not. Um, so we took a lot of precautions of setting up the new sites. Um, we didn't really go with you know, plastic panels between, uh, between uh, desks and you know, that, those kinds of extents. But we took other precautions, ensuring sanitizers, temperature checks, things like that, to make people feel safe to go into the into the environment. Then the Delta variant uh, variant hit, you know, in the U.S. and we repositioned, we reconsidered what we wanted to do. We're a healthcare company. It's important that we, you know, that we look out for the safety and health of our of our employees, as well as you know, just what we stand for as an organization. And so about three weeks ago, maybe almost four, we said, look, we're going to require vaccinations. We asked for verification of, of uh, vaccination cards, set up a website. We, we have that controlled confidentially and you know, really managing that. I mean, we deal with HIPAA situations with our, with our members mm -hmm. every day. So the sensitivity around that with our employees was paramount. And then we also provided um, uh, exemption requests, which were based either on, on religious or medical. And so we've, we've identified, again, we're about 200 employees um, mm -hmm. within the U.S. And we, um, you know, we've identified, you know, all the individuals, we've taken precautions, we've done the types of things, we've, we've provided, um, you know, exemption requests. And we're working through those situations in terms of people's um, access to offices, because we will want to be back in the office. Yeah. doing and really um you know what i've told the executive team is let's give our employees the full benefit of the doubt on this thing you know there's been some skepticism about you know some situations and i'm like no these are our people we need to take care of them they're part of the family and what we've also done is we've um for new hires because we continue to hire pretty aggressively mm -hmm. is we require vaccinations we put that into our job descriptions we talk about that openly um, and, you know, we've have had, have had some candidates turn us down as a result of that. But for the most part, people are, um, are okay with it. So we'll see. We're going to be back in the office in, you know, in early November, a little bit of a rolling start. Um, I would quite like to go back just to have a quick, a quick question about the, the vaccination status. I think when we'd last spoken, you had said that it was, it was on the cards. Um, you, were, you, were, you were hoping that people would take it on, but I don't think you decided you were going to make it mandatory at the time. What, when you decided to make it mandatory, did you have an idea of how many people would refuse to have it done? And did you put a contingency plan in place for if you lost people? Yeah, we, we did. Um, we had a pretty good idea 
through the earlier ask, you know, in terms of just, you know, as a form, they just, you know, indicated whether they were vaccinated or not, or whether they had a, you know, a request of religious or, um, or medical, and they signed it. So we had a good sense. We had, I want to say roughly about 70% of the population or, or, or better 80% of the population, we knew where they stood. Okay. And you know, so then when we put it into effect, I mean, part of our contingency planning was, look, there's going to be some fallout. We didn't really know how much fallout. We've had a few people that have resigned, okay, in all honesty. But it's not been a mass exodus. Um, we're very pleased with that. And I think a lot of it goes to the way we handled it. I mean, I personally spent one-on-one -on -one time with people. And I've been in human resources for 30 years. And I've dealt with a lot of confidentiality, sensitive situations, Honestly, this was a little uncomfortable for me, um, dealing with people's religious beliefs, people's medical. And I would tell them, look, I don't need to know the details of your you know, religion or your medical. I just need to understand and get verification from a doctor or a uh, religious leader that you know, there's, there's, a, there's a reason here to, mm -hmm. to provide an exemption. And I think we talked it through. We were very candid. We were very open with people. And there were multiple conversations with some folks, and we've been able to work through that with, with individuals. And it's a fairly small number when you think about our total population. It's probably less than, it's probably about 5%. So pretty small uh, organ mm -hmm. apart. But any time you lose folks that are um, interacting with our members, that has an impact on the rest of the organization because the work spills over. So we did start to do some, some greater ramping up of hiring in anticipation of some potential um, you know, losses of people. So if you are ramping up hiring at the moment, do you mind telling me a bit about the talent situation in the US? Just because we work both in the, U in the US and in Europe, and, and what we're seeing just now is that there's quite a big talent shortage there's people jumping roles regularly um people are getting halfway through hiring processes and then pulling out are you seeing the same thing in your industry yeah i think overall within the u.s yes there's a there is a labor shortage i was looking at some data the other day indicated like in the engineering areas technical areas of companies just broadly about yeah. 300,000 job openings in the US. I mean that's massive. Crazy. And there's not enough people to, you know, to cover that. So people are bouncing around, they're moving from one opportunity to the next. Um, you know, there's talk about, you know, the great resignation and that. Um I'm not I'm not I mean I don't want to jinx, you know, right way or myself. Um yeah, exactly. Um you know, we're not we're not seeing that at this point. We're seeing onesies, twosies kinds of things, and mm -hmm. for a variety of reasons. Um, some of the some of the uh, more recently over the last couple of weeks, some of the candidates we've had a couple fall out, and I'm still trying to get my hands on the, the data around that in terms of was it because we required a vaccination? Was it some other situation? Um, so that we can make ourselves better and you know and more um, more attractive as an organization. So there's definitely, though, um, a, a shortage in the U.S., and I think globally there is, which is, is kind of nuts because in the U.S., as an example, we're about 4.8% unemployment, and you know, a year and a half ago, we were about 3.6%. So there's a percentage or better, slightly better than a percentage uh, of people that are, have not reentered the workforce. And I don't really, you know, there's a lot of you know, political and other reasons you know, people speculate as to why. 
but there's folks that are out there. Um, you know, I think in the in in our in our industry, um, you know, we we're, we're a, a level maybe higher than kind of like a, a, a hospitality kind of thing. We have a lot a lot of our employees are, are college graduates um, or, or working through um, either bachelor's degrees or um, you know or master's degrees, mm -hmm. and so I'm actually looking and and after this meeting spending time with you know the executive team talking about things that we could do to ramp up the attractiveness of the organization around education, expanded education um, to, to, to broaden our net of individuals that would be interested in working for us. Definitely. And one of the ways that I guess quite a lot of businesses are trying to get ahead of the, the other war for talent is by, by focusing on their diversity. Um, mm -hmm. Now, I think we the, the figures are that about 40% of women in employment were affected by the pandemic um, in some areas. I guess my question would be, how can employers get women back into the workforce? Because you would think that of that percentage of people who have not come back, women probably make up mm -hmm. a, good, a good percentage of that. Yeah, it's it's been a real disappointment um, to to see what has happened around women leaving the workforce, and you know some of these traditional models of thinking of how to raise your family and take care of it. I mean that's that's kind of alive and well when it comes to impacting women. Uh, I don't mean well in terms of you know women are being impacted, <laughs> but it's fallen to that and for you know a variety of reasons, and it's it's disappointing. Um, you know, I have I have adult children, and one I have a daughter, and she's a professional, and we talk about these types of things in the company that she works for, and I think that you know what I'm looking at at Rightway, excuse me, is to you know how do we create an environment beyond our work? So you know, our, you know, childcare needs, um, other types of family support situations, whether they be benefits or assistance. And so I think that's something that we need to spend more time focusing on um, to, to try to take advantage of, of you know, that, that large uh, migration out of the workforce. It's, it's, not, it's not good. And I think that you know, companies and our society needs to you know, re-engage women to come back into the workforce. I mean, the numbers are staggering. Yeah, yeah, they, they really are. Um, we've, it's one thing that we've been talking about with clients for the last few months is, you know, yeah, we're, everyone's struggling to get the top talent. And one of the best ways to do that is to focus on gender diversity, to focus on um, ethnic diversity. And, and I, think, I think more and more businesses are becoming more open to the fact that their diversity policies aren't at the top of their game. You know, they're getting there, but they're not there yet. And there's been a lot of focus on that in the U.S. Uh, in particular over the last you know year and a half to two years with you know social you know social justice and equity improvements and and, and demands um, you know since the you know since the death of, of George Floyd that's really heightened the awareness um, you know of, of companies and needing to do that. But I think you know prior to you know me joining the company, I mean I look at Rightway as a company that's that that has been open and has wanted to you know you know cast that wide net and so i want to cast it even wider and create opportunities for individuals and 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 benefits or assistance where people can and want to come to work for us um you know by being able to support them and their family needs 
I think there's, a, I think we've got a great opportunity ahead of us. Yeah. Following on from that, you mentioned in a previous conversation that that you had a few conversations um, with employers or with potential employers that had reached out to you um, or, or you'd reached out to them before you started working at Rightway. Um, and, and a few of them had said to you, you're perhaps not the right person for this job because we're looking for a more diverse pool of candidates. Can you tell me a bit more about that experience um, at the time? Yeah, it's um, it, it's been a pretty frustrating situation, honestly. Um, you know, I, I started, I, I, I made a, a personal choice to leave the company where I was a CHRO for two and a half years at the end of 2019. And I entered 2020 with, okay, new focus, new direction, what I want to do. Um, and, uh, and was interviewing with quite a few companies, very, you know, good interviews, good meetings, multiple, you know, sessions with companies. And then COVID hit, okay, in the, in the middle of March. I, I was working, uh, fortunately, with a, um, I, during that time, I met up with a, um, a VC, a venture capitalist company called um, Semperverance, and I started to do advisory work with them. So that, and that carried me through a lot of um, 2019, but I continued to interview aggressively as much as I could. A lot of things just, you know, March through August, just everything shut down. Companies were in survival mode. They were laying off people. They were just trying to stay afloat. So the last thing they were interested in, even if they had an opening prior to that for a, either a head of HR or senior uh, HR leader, that, that, that just, it dried up. Yeah. And so then, um, you know, launching, you know, further into the tail end of 2019 and I'm sorry, 2020 and into early 2021, um, I was running into situations where kind of like, you know, middle-aged white guy need not apply. And uh, I have, you know, conversations with, you know, some, some very close, um, you know, search firms, you know, people that I've known for years. And yeah, honest conversations about, you know what, the, the world has changed, the dynamics within uh, perceptions, and it's not about your capabilities, your skills, your competency. Um, you know, I checked the box on all those things, except for, you know, gender or, or race. And um, uh, you know, so it, that became very frustrating. Um, it, so it's finding that right environment um, where, you know, I can fit into what their needs are. And, um, and sometimes it's just, it's what it is. And you just move on and you, you know, you, you move to the next opportunity that, that might be um, a good fit for you, where you can contribute your skills and capabilities and you know, bring a lot of, of knowledge and experience from different you know, companies, industries, size, scale. I mean, I've worked across you know, now early stage companies to you know, 200,000 know, global you know, employee-based companies. So yeah. it's, um, it, 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 but it, it, it happens. And, and again, I've talked with other individuals that are you know, kind of my makeup and um, they're running into the same thing as well. So it's just, you know, it, it's, it's where things are today. Yeah. I think it just shows how far we have to come with diversity because it's 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 I'm I'm not saying that we've tipped too far in the other direction because I don't think that, that, that is that is true. It's just that I think a lot of businesses just haven't got the balance right and just haven't worked out how to how to get a diverse pool of candidates, but also to make sure that they're getting the best skills as well. So 
it's I think it'll be an interesting time for diversity in the next couple of years. I think we're going to see a lot of changes. Brian, I am coming to the end of um, my, my my questions for you just now. However, the last thing um, I wanted to talk about was, do you think that the changes from the pandemic, so, you know, flexible working, working from home, do you think they're here to stay long term? Or do you think a couple of years after we consider the pandemic over, do you think that we'll revert back to just going into the office nine till five, eight till six, whatever it was previously? Yeah, no, I think it's actually here to stay, but how much of it is here to stay is questionable. I think that you know companies have been able to, especially in the technology space. I mean, you look at the 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 gains. You know, if you look if you use the stock market and stock prices and valuations as a barometer of success, you could say, yeah, this worked totally fine. People could work remotely from anywhere, you know, in the world um, and get their jobs done. Um, so I, I think there's an element of that. I think companies though have also spent billions of dollars. I think about some of the large tech companies that have unbelievable campuses. I mean, just beautiful campuses. They built them to uh, retain people, keep them there at work longer, um, creating amenities, and you know, making you know their lives um, you know more, more efficient or effective by being at work. So I don't see those companies moving away from that. Um, you know, I, I you know live in in, in Silicon Valley. And I watch what's going on with these large companies. I mean, Apple is an example. Um, you know, they kicked the can down the street. Okay, they were going to return people in November. The employee base revolted, uh, mm -hmm. basically. And so Tim Cook decided we're going to hold off and we'll readdress this thing. You know, after January, that just as an example. So there's there's conflicts within organizations. So I I think that hybrid working is here whether it's you know, two or three days a week or however you know, companies want to manage that, uh, I think it's definitely here. Now, there are some industries that it just doesn't work. Our company is an example. We, we, we think we're more productive internally because we work in cohorts and we pass things back and forth. Yes, we've been able to be successful over the, you know, over the you know, last almost two years, year and a half uh, or better. Um, but we think that we can be even better by working together and interacting, you know, in a, in a, in a more collegial office environment, but that's us, that's our, you know, that's our, our, you know, situation and how we've assessed it. But, you know, to answer the question, I think, I think hybrid working is here. I think a lot of it is because employees are demanding it, you know, they've been able to be successful, but again, not all industries or businesses will be able to do that. And I think where there's the potential rub is, where there are functions that can operate, you know, outside of coming into the office, maybe five days a week or, you know, four days a week. Mm. It's the functions that have to be in that are told you need to be in the office. It's culturally, what does that mean? And the message that's being sent is that kind of the haves and the have nots. And I think that's where there's a, you know, a lot of challenges that face, you know, human resources and executive teams. And it was even prior to the pandemic, you know, kind of the millennial population was asking that, wanted greater flexibility, wanted to be able to work anywhere, uh, you know, kind of situations. Yeah. So I think it's just manifested even more so with, you know, with all, um, you know, all, all companies and all, um, you know, all uh, you know, kind of experiences within the workplace. I read a really interesting LinkedIn post today that said that 
CEOs naturally are, are extroverts um, and they, you know, they feed off other people and they feed off the buzz of being in the office and, and the putting the ideas around and, and, and it's why, you know, quite a lot of high profile CEOs are saying we want people back into the office, but employees at lower levels aren't necessarily of that same extroverted ilk and it's why it's kind of that's what's causing the rub at the moment is just those different different personalities and the different ways that people work mm -hmm. there's also autocratic leaders that you know they feel that people aren't yeah. productive if they're not you know sitting in the office which mm -hmm. is you know, which is a old style management style leadership style that i don't uh i don't support yeah <laughs> Yeah, well, I think I think that's one thing that the last kind of eighteen months has taught us is that people can be trusted to work from home and get Absolutely. things done. Well, for Absolutely. the most part. Mm -hmm. Great. Well, Brian, that is everything um, that 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 we, we were to discuss today. Um, it has been absolutely brilliant having you on. Thank you so much for, for getting up and starting your uh, your day with with a podcast. It's been my pleasure, Claire. I really appreciate it.